I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. Vice President Ford will be sworn in as president at that hour in this office. Ed Robertson welcoming you to TV Confidential, radio talk show about television. Dee Wallace will join us in our second hour. Dee Wallace, the legendary scream queen who is also known around the world as the mom on ETD, has two new films out right now, plus another two films that will be released later this year, one of which, Rob Zombie's Three from Hell, will be part of a big three-night nationwide theatrical release coming up in September. We'll tell you all about that and more when Dee Wallace joins us in our second hour. We'll be able to stay tuned for that coming up later on this hour. We will welcome our friend Susan McRae. Susan was one of the very first female casting directors in network television. Plus, she worked very closely with Michael Landon, including on Little House on the Prairie. She is also the host of a brand new Sunday morning magazine show with the latest news in fashion, music, makeup, Hollywood, and slice-of-life issues. Susan McRae will join us later on in this hour. We hope you'll stay tuned for that as well. In the meantime, Tony Figueroa and Donna Allen are with us via Skype as they bring us this week in TV history. Tony's segment, as always, is brought to us by our friends at Story Salon, Southern California's longest-running, regularly performing live storytelling ensemble with live shows every Wednesday night at the Art Parlor in Valley Village, as well as occasionally other nights of the week at the Art Parlor in Valley Village. Donna, are you still doing the fiction nights? Uh, I'm hoping to do one this fall. Okay. Well, okay, so hopefully they'll do one this fall. If Donna does put one together this fall, we'll let you know about it. In the meantime, for more information, storysalon.com, facebook.com forward slash storysalon. Tony, what do you have for us tonight? August 8, 1974, President Richard M. Nixon. Archie would have said President Richard E. Nixon. <laughs> Uh, Richard M. Nixon resigns in the wake of the Watergate burglary scandal. If All in the Family were redone again as a period piece, I would love to see that episode. Well, we've put it out there. So if All in the Family is being done, that's an idea to do it as a period piece. Okay, so where were you both on August 8th, 1974? I was about an hour out of Quebec City in Quebec, Canada. I was out of the country. I was an exchange student living in Quebec, so everything was in French, and the news came over, and the family that I was living with, they were watching, and I was understanding quite a bit of it, but I wasn't quite sure, and the mother of the family looked at me, and she just wanted to make sure I understand. She pointed at the TV and went, Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> and I swear I um, jumped up and down. I remember that. Okay. I, I was in you know, I was in Puerto Rico. I was in a, in a town on the beach uh, called Luquillo. My family had a little place there, and uh, Luquillo is, for a lot of people who live in San Juan, that's kind of like their little weekend escape place. So people have like a little apartment there. So my folks had a little place there and it was summertime. So we were there for, I'm guessing a long weekend or maybe a week stay in that apartment. And TV in Puerto Rico at that time, you know, we really didn't have cable yet. 
it wasn't a lot of American markets. You know, uh, there were channels that signed on at noon. There were channels that signed on at three mm -hmm. and then would go on to maybe midnight. So not a lot of morning programming. And then uh, we just happened to have the news on in the afternoon. And it was announced on, actually, no, it was announced on the radio that uh, it was WKAQ. It was announced that uh, President Nixon is going to resign and it will be broadcast on Telemundo, which was channel two there. We're going to get a broadcast via satellite. Big deal. It was a big deal. To, it was coming on. So we heard it on the radio and then... So we knew that at this particular time, and I'm not sure, I don't remember exactly what time it was, but that we were going to be watching the president resign via satellite. And so we turned on the TV, the Telemundo channel was not affiliated with the network yet, that didn't exist yet. Mm -hmm. uh, it is now. But we had that on, and I'm asking my dad, what, what do you mean via satellite? And he explained to me what a satellite was and how it worked. And before the broadcast, we, I was watching the news anchor speaking in Spanish, and then they cut to this graphic that looks like something out of Tomorrowland and Disneyland or what a satellite would look like, you know, like this spherical thing in space, kind of looked like the Capitol Records building, um, just floating around. And then they cut to the president in Washington, D.C. You know, I would spend the summers with my dad in Puerto Rico. Dinner time was no TV time. Mm -hmm. Everybody sat at the table, everybody had the meal, and then, you know, the TV was off. This was one of those days where the rule was, we're going to eat around the TV, because this is history happening. And so we watch it on TV. There was uh, the English paper in Puerto Rico at the time was the, the, the late great San Juan Star. And I remember the following morning in big, big, bold letters, Nixon quits was the uh, the morning headline. And then I think it was later that day that we saw Gerald Ford getting sworn in, again, mm -hmm. via satellite. Yeah. You were the only one on the continental United States between yeah. the three of us. Yeah, I was living in San Francisco. What I remember is, okay, it was the first week of August, so my father was home. And I say that because my father worked two jobs. I'm number 10 out of 11 kids. So my dad worked two jobs. My mom was the homemaker, CEO, management, all of the above. So other than on weekends, I rarely saw my father at home during the week unless he was on vacation. And he usually took most of the month of August off. So he was home that week. And like you, we didn't usually have the TV on during dinner. But that was an exception that night. And I'm 10 years old at the time. I don't understand why the news is on. You know, I want to watch Star Trek or, or something like that. And what I remember is my dad said, shh, shh, I want to watch this. This is important, you know. I remember that. I remember my mother took time so that she could watch it. I have a sister who is a nun. And at the time, she was stationed in France. And I remember... Either my mother or one of my sisters said, Terry is just waking up to this because all this is playing out at like 6 o'clock, 6.30 Pacific time. So like in France, it's like 3, 4 in the morning or maybe 6 in the morning. 
And so I remember Terry is waking up to this. So it took several years before I realized the significance of it. But it's interesting. Many years ago, I had a chance to talk to Henry Darrow. And uh, I was doing a piece on David Jansen and Harry O. I don't remember how it came up, but he told us that they were filming an episode with Leif Erikson, who was the guest star that week. And so it was a mini reunion of the High Chaparral stars, but they're in their hotel room relaxing, and then we bring them a special bulletin from CBS News, and they watch Nixon resigning together. So it's one of those moments that, for those of us who are of age, even if you're like me who didn't understand what was going on at the time, you remember where you were. Oh, yeah. No, it's, there are certain historical milestones, obviously, None of us were around for Pearl Harbor, but the JFK assassination. And this has got to be one of them, where you are definitely looking at history being made and the fact that we could all see it. I mean, we all were in different parts, but we could all be watching this. And because of the satellite technology that was available at the time. And this was the end of something that had been playing out for a very long time. I mean... Daytime programming was preempted to cover the hearings, to cover the Watergate hearings. Yes, for a good 18 months, yeah. Because a lot of, at the time, especially women were mad, homeworkers were mad, because they were not getting their soap operas. Yeah. And at the time, there must have been a close to 15 soaps on the air at that time. Mm -hmm. So it was a really big deal. And this was in the days before, did they even play them at night back then? Are you talking about soap operas? Yes. Soap is preempted. They might play it at 2 o'clock in the morning. And at least you can record it. There were no VCRs back then. Yeah. Which, I mean, not even now. I mean, but if you weren't home to watch a show, you missed it. Yeah. I seem to recall in some cases, because on the West Coast, the hearing could have started like uh, 7, 8 o'clock in the morning, and they would have yeah. run till maybe 2 or 3 in the afternoon local time. So I seem to recall that Love of Life and Search for Tomorrow, which were the two biggies on CBS at the time, yes. I think they were run later in the afternoon, like 2 o'clock our time, which is later than they normally. So I, I think they did some of that. But I, again, yeah, it's the first example of gavel to gavel coverage because it was history yeah. in the making yeah and it was news it was news in every I sense mean, there, there, there were no cable news outlets it was the three networks and pbs that was it yeah, yeah. And, and in certain parts of the country you didn't have all three networks many parts of the country there was no pbs mm -hmm. but you had a broadcast that everybody was watching i would say a couple of months before nixon's resignation we had a situation here in los angeles and it was the first time you were watching something live as it happened. It was uh, when they thought they had cornered Patty Hearst. Oh, yeah, St. Ah. Q on the SLA. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, and that was downtown, and the police surrounded it. And I remember here locally in Los Angeles, Channel 2, which was a CBS affiliate. Back then it was KNXT, Channel 4, KNBC, and Channel 7. And we could switch you know, from one channel to the other and see that they were still covering it and they had reporters there and it was like, this is happening live. And that was unheard of at the time. So imagine you're having events like when they were covering the Watergate hearing that everybody could watch it. The other event I think that was like that was uh, Nixon going to China. Mm -hmm. 
And I remember that preempted Captain Kangaroo. But it was one of those things that was in Ohio at the time. And so the show was preempted. And then we went to school, and that was what was on TV. So we are watching that, you know, in school. But prior to that, you really weren't getting these events live as it happened. And we, I think we're all of an age where they stopped school, brought in a TV, and you watched the space launches or splashdowns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was all covered. Everybody covered it. That's what you watched. Tony Figueroa and Donna Allen are with us via Skype as we remember where we were on the evening of August 8th, 1974, the night that Richard Nixon resigned from the White House. Going back to Nixon resigning... It's actually a two-part, I was going to say a two-part drama, but it's a two-part story in the sense that Nixon made the announcement at 9 o'clock Eastern time on Thursday the 8th, 1974, and then he said, I'm going to resign effective noon tomorrow, Friday the 9th. And I remember that the networks covered the change in command. And we had that on. And I remember, I do remember watching that, even though I don't remember understanding it any better than the night of the first time. But that, for me, that was my first memory of watching one president hand over power to his successor on television. I I remember watching Nixon and his family going to the helicopter, them getting into the helicopter. He turned around and gave the peace sign and that big smile one last time. What Gerald Ford sworn in? Was it before they left or after they left? I believe he would have been sworn in before he left because I think the swearing-in took place at noon. The swearing-in itself is a very short ceremony, and I don't recall whether Ford gave any comments or remarks that night. He just started being president, and then the networks cut to the footage of Nixon boarding the plane to San Clemente. Yeah, I think it was uh, toned down. Uh, and you know, I know with like inaugurations, there's a pre-swearing in. Yeah. That do you know? There's the event that we all see, but there's a pre-swearing in that's a little bit more private. You know, they do so just in case the ceremony does not go off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they do that. Ford deliberately tried to keep it low-key, and then I think by the next day, there were shots of Ford swimming in the White House pool, and there was news footage of that, and I remember that made the front page, and my brother looks at me, and he goes, I don't remember seeing Nixon without a tie, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and there's like like these shots, I guess, you know, Ford showing that, you know, he's an athlete, and I think it was shortly after that, we saw Ford, for the remainder of his term, falling down. Well, Ford did play football. I forget. I think he played football for Michigan, either Michigan or Michigan State. He, as I recall, he was in good shape up until the very end. Yes. He took care of himself. And we may have had this conversation on our program. He took a lot of flack for when he pardoned Nixon like a month later. And I think like a lot of people... My gut reaction at the time was, why would you do that? As I get older and I think about it more, I understand why he did it. It was the best move at that time. And he probably knew that when he made that decision, he probably knew he was going to be a one-term president at that point. But Not even a full-term president at that. Yeah. Yeah. 
A lot of people agreed that Gerald Ford was the best thing to happen to this country. He normalized the country yeah. after the chaos that Watergate created. And I agree with you, by pardoning Richard Nixon, he put that chapter of American history to bed and we moved on. I think in that way, Gerald Ford was effective. He did what he was supposed to do in the short time he was in office. Like we were having this conversation with my nephew not that long ago. And, you know, so the country also looked at Gerald Ford as somebody, he was not elected. You know, Spiro Agnew was elected. Spiro Agnew resigned, I'd say, maybe nine months before Nixon yeah. uh, resigned. So here's a guy who, who gets to the highest office in the land uh, as the leader of the free world, and he was never voted in that position. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that you know, also was like, why is this guy here? You know, nobody voted for him, but he's in charge. Yeah, but I would totally agree that he did what was best so we would be spared, you know, a trial. We'd be spared, you know, it, it would not make us look good in the eyes of the world if we had to have a, a president having to go through that whole part of the process. Mm -hmm. I also remember now that, you know, just from our conversations, uh, when I went back to school, our teacher wanted us every week to bring in editorial cartoons, political cartoons, uh, as part of our current event study. We always had to bring in newspaper articles, but she wanted us to bring in the cartoons as well. And we would talk about them. And the first one that was brought in was Gerald Ford on this rocket, and it was being launched on a ramp. And they, on the side of the ramp was written, Nixon's pardon, and the rocket was diving into a canyon. So, uh, <laughs> And so, you know, we would look at this drawing of Gerald Ford piloting a rocket that's diving into a cannon, and the ramp was labeled Nixon's pardon. And then we'd all look at it, and the teacher was explaining, basically having to explain the joke and why this was going on. And then later on, we had an assignment where we all had to write to Gerald Ford about how we could save energy, and uh, we all got our win button. Remember Whip Inflation Now? The Whip little red button. Is now, that's right. Uh, yes, yeah, so we got a letter from Gerald Ford, which hung in our classroom, and we all got our win buttons because we sent to the president, you know, we sent the president our, uh, yeah, so we wrote to the president, we also laughed at him, but well, <laughs> with the cartoon. The other thing I remember about uh, President Ford, and maybe it's because being a child of television, this kind of resonated with me, somehow one of the lighter stories of White House coverage revealed that he liked Angie Dickinson and that he made a point of watching Police Woman whenever he could every week, even when he was president. So I thought that was kind of cool that the president is kind of like us. He likes Police Woman. <laughs> and Friday night at 10 o'clock, he probably would have had time most of the time. Yeah. yeah. Chevy Chase did Gerald Ford. And the uh, cast, the original cast of Saturday Night Live got an invitation to the White House because of that. Yeah. He did record, there is one episode where he did record a live from New York at Saturday night. I don't know if it's on the NBC archives. Uh, I think was it his press secretary that got to host the show. Oh, yeah, Ron Nesson. Ron Nesson, that's right. So they did the opening sketch, and then they cut to a pre-filmed bit of Gerald Ford because they went to the White House and he just says live from New York it's Saturday night and then they cut off Don Pardo at the end of the announcement and Gerald Ford says yeah ladies and gentlemen Ron Nesson and and he comes on stage so he's the first president 
whoever got to say that. 20 years before Obama sort of made it, uh, I know Obama did this, I don't, no, that's right, Clinton did Arsenio when he was a candidate, but Obama was the first sitting president to do a late night talk show, correct? He, was the first, he did the Tonight Show. Okay, well. He did the Tonight Show, candidate Obama did SNL. Uh, it was Bill and Hillary Clinton's Halloween party. And it was a very funny bit, but he got to open the show by saying live from New York, it's Saturday night. Yeah, Obama did uh, the Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Yeah. And then later did the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. But Gerald Ford is the first sitting president to make an appearance on Saturday Night Live 35 years before it became the new normal. Yes. Yeah. That's good. Cool. And any candidate now, SNL has to be like a whistle stop. Yeah, that and now Stephen Colbert. And The View. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And The View has to be one. Uh, before we get too far, one more thing that the Ford administration brought us was Betty Ford. Yes. Who was an excellent first lady, shed some light on some very difficult topics, mm -hmm. uh, especially for uh, families. Uh, which reporter asked her, have any of your children ever had problems on drugs, to which most of the male press corps at the time were like, what is this, until Betty Ford said yes. And, of course, her legacy is the Betty, Betty Ford, Ford Center. Center. Yeah. So don't forget about her. And she was a lovely lady. Yes. And didn't she do an episode of Mary Tyler Moore? Uh, yes, she did. I think she did a cameo at the very end. Yeah, Lou and Mary go to Washington. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She also kind of got a verbal pie to the face because Mary did not believe it was her. That's right. I remember that. I remember she thought that. it was a practical joke. So yeah. she got that kind of reaction. But was, uh, was that the one where the lights went out in her apartment? No, that was Johnny it Carson. Was Johnny Carson. Which Johnny Carson was really there, yeah. but you never. Yeah, the, the whole episode was a blackout. Yeah. Which was brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, Betty Ford, yeah, she did appear on the Mary Tyler Moore Show. Childoftelevision.blogspot.com, childoftelevision.blogspot.com, also storysalon.com. Donna's four-part novel series is now complete. Yes, it is. The last book, Fall Again Reunion, was published a few months ago. You'll see where the story finally ends. And to find out how the story begins and end, go to fallagainseries.com. Tony and Donna, we'll see you both next time. Next, next time. time. Susan McRae will join us when we come back on TV Confidential. Hi, my name is Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then one day, I heard them talking about this guy. Some uncle I never knew called Uncle Sam. Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him like a gazillion dollars. And they didn't have a gazillion dollars. So they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And The Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called the IRS, and they're able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy, and I'm happy too. Thanks, tax doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, call now and pay less. 800-649-0142. 800-649-0142. That's 800-649-0142. Become an advertiser or underwriter of TV Confidential and let our brand help promote your brand. To find out more, go to televisionconfidential.com slash advertise. Story Salon is Los Angeles' longest-running storytelling venue. 
We have live shows every Wednesday in Studio City, as well as solo shows, podcasts, CDs, and several books. Los Angeles Daily News calls Story Salon Gemstones of Narrative, something new, funny, astonishing. Sunset Magazine says, Tales tall, tragic, and tantalizing. All of this makes Story Salon one of the most eclectic entertainment experiences available. You can learn more about us by going to our Facebook page or by visiting our website at www.storysalon.com. Accredited by Guinness World Records, welcome to Archival Television Audio Incorporated. A peerless TV soundtrack archive preserving the audio from television's first three decades, the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, the golden and silver age of television. For more information, go to atvaudio.com. Ed Robertson, author friend Donna Allen Figueroa, who I understand has a new book out. Yes, it's entitled Fall Again Beginnings. It's the first part of a four-part contemporary romantic series set against the background of working actors. Something that you know a, little, a thing or two well, about. Well, you write what you know, and I have been working in the business for several years. It is not necessarily autobiographical, but it's based on... Sure, many of the experiences that the actors in my book have, many have happened to me, many have happened to friends of mine. It's not if you're looking for... Valley of the Dolls, it's not, it's grounded in reality. It is grounded in reality, and it's the first in a series. Yes. Called the Fall Again series. Fall Again. Which is available as a paperback as well as an ebook and in Kindle at fallagainseries.com. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at tvconfidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.